Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Good to have you with us. Of course, we are here for you live on Sunday nights. And uh, last week we had a pre-recorded show because I was on the most insane. I have to underline insane trip across the country and i will tell you about that uh, tonight in our opening segment here in just a couple of moments just incredible but let me tell you a little bit about tonight's show tonight in our guest segment we have author Allie anderson she's here to discuss her fantastic book called unscrambling the millennial paradox why the unreachables may be key to the next great awakening I'm really interested in this book, and I'll tell you why. Um, I have three kids that would be considered millennials, but I also see just a lot of things changing in our culture. I read an article today about churches being turned into Airbnbs because there's not enough people to attend, and they're basically shutting down the church. And uh, I don't know, I find this uh, disillusioning, like what's going to happen to the next generation. It is interesting to watch how each generation sort of brings with them their own personality, uh, their own approach to things. And this will be fascinating tonight in our guest segment on scrambling the millennial paradox. As we continue to do these shows, by the way, without any commercials, we do have sponsors uh, each week to do that. Um, before I tell you tonight's sponsor, next week, we just confirmed it. L.A. Marzulli will be here, one of our favorite guests, to talk about his new movie. He has a new DVD out. And of course, he's always got lots of great information from a biblical perspective on UFOs and the unexplained and all of that. And he'll be with us in our guest segment next Sunday night. Tonight's sponsor that is helping us to be commercial free is defendyourcredit.us. Tonight, I'm going to talk a lot about what's happening with Equifax and the settlement. We're going to get into that in a moment. But one of the things a lot of people are asking me about because of this big article I published last week is who do I use for my identity theft protection? Because at this point in time, it's not really a question of if you should have it or not. I mean, we're way beyond that. If you don't have identity theft protection, you're just asking for a lot of trouble. And and if you don't know what trouble that could be, just do a little bit of searching on the Internet and you'll see the kinds of things that can happen to you, things that will affect you for the rest of your life. And DefendYourCredit.us, that is the product I use. I'm also an affiliate for that company. 
But one of the things I really love about it is they have a plan that covers husband and wife and also uh, your children can be on the plan as well, the same plan. And what's really important about that is the number one area of identity theft today is kids. And you might laugh at that and think, why would someone want to steal my kid's identity? It's a fresh social security number, a new identity that they can take and run with. And then you don't find out about it until your child starts doing paperwork for college and you find out that they have all these uh, financial obligations because someone has stolen their identity. Even more tragic, the person that has typically stolen a child's identity is many times a relative that had access to the child's social security number. So we're going to get into a lot of this tonight, but check out tonight's sponsor, DefendYourCredit.us, DefendYourCredit.us. Okay, Uh, let me tell you about this Equifax settlement deal, and then I'm going to tell you about my crazy trip. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news, frankly, that I'm not all that interested in. I'm not super interested in Trump's you know, battle with the Chinese and the one-upsmanship on the tariffs. Eh, I'm not interested so much in that. I'm not really so much interested in the G7 and all of that. So there's nothing, you know, like that that's on my radar screen tonight that I'm going to get into uh, with you. But I want to talk about this Equifax settlement. So we all know it was the largest breach, the largest data breach in history was the Equifax data breach. It happened in 2017. Uh, Roughly 145 million Americans had their personal information exposed, and that included Social Security number, uh, in some cases also driver's license number, first and last name, in some cases birth date. So 145 million people. So all that being said, the Federal Trade Commission came up with a settlement deal for Equifax, and this is what we're getting inundated with people asking me questions about this. In fact, I'm doing a live radio interview tomorrow morning for a station in Cleveland, and it's all about this because people want to know, what do I do? So there is this website you can go to, the Equifax Settlement website. You can Google search it. You'll find it, or better yet, go to my article over at ChristianMoney.com. I've got a link in it to the site you can go to. And they're offering supposedly $125 to people who were part of this data breach. Now, when you think about it, $125 is not really that much money, especially when you think about paying for identity theft protection for the rest of your life because your data was exposed. It's just not enough money. But let me tell you how bad this gets. The amount of money that is set aside that will be split between everyone that applies to be part of the class action settlement is $31 million. So the $125 is sort of just a number that they picked out of thin air because the amount is $31 million. And we did some numbers here at ChristianMoney.com, and we took the figure of 10%. We said, let's say that 10% of the 145 million apply to be part of the $31 million settlement financial pool to get their chunk of that. So if 10% apply to get that money, which that sounds low to me, right? That only one in 10 people are gonna actually apply to get their share of the money. But let's assume that for a moment. That comes out to then, if you split $31 million up, 
uh, between 14 and a half million people, that's a little over $2 that each pe- each person would get. <laughs> so we go from $125 down to like $2.30 or some crazy number like that. And so in my article that I wrote about this, and you can get it this week, uh, I wrote it this week and get it right now, actually, at ChristianMoney.com, read the article, about an interesting angle that a guy is taking on this, which is instead of Instead of accepting the 125 bucks or what could be as little as $2 that we've determined here at ChristianMoney.com, he actually went to small claims court. So what he did was, and you can do this, I show you how to do it in the article. You opt out of the class action lawsuit. You opt out. Then as a person who's opt out, you have the right to sue Equifax for your own amount. And if you go to small claims court, you don't need a lawyer. And this is sort of like Judge Judy. You go before a judge, the other side goes before the judge with you, and you just kind of each explain what your you know situation is, and then the judge decides. So the article I wrote, and it includes the story of this guy who decided to opt out of the Equifax settlement, and he's not the only one. A lot of people are doing this, opting out and then filing a small claims lawsuit, and he got $8,000 from a judge. Instead of getting a few bucks, he got $8,000. And so my article discusses how he presented his case to the judge, and it was a really good presentation. It was not just there was the data breach, but then what he did was he did the math to show how much the identity theft uh, protection would cost for the rest of his life. So he included that. He then also included some news articles that showed where I believe at least one of the Equifax top executives sold stock before the information became public. Also additional um, media accounts alleging that Equifax top uh, officials knew of the data breach for months before they told the public. So he put together a really great package, and this is all in my article, uh, that he presented to the judge. And ended up with eight grand instead of uh, a few dollars. So that is really, I, I think, the way to go. And that's what I'm leaning towards doing myself, is going down here to my local county courthouse, filing a small claims lawsuit and taking my chances. You know, depending on where you live, I think in my area, it's like 150 bucks to file for a small claims lawsuit. Now, the most I can get, I think, is 5000 here in Florida. But in some areas, like in Tennessee, you can get $250,000, I'm sorry, $25,000. Boy, wouldn't that be great, $250,000. You can get $25,000 in Tennessee. So depending on where you live, uh, you might get more than the $8,000. But it is an interesting, different approach to take uh, to sue in small claims court. Uh, Even if it's just $5,000, hey, $5,000 is a lot better then $2.30 or whatever the number comes out to be. But you're going to be hearing a lot about this. And the reason I'm bringing this up tonight is obviously interesting story, but the deadlines are coming up. So you need to read the article because you only have like a few months to decide to opt out or opt in or whatever you're going to do on this. Uh, so check that out. The, the alternative is Equifax will give you 10 years of free credit monitoring. 
Now, <laughs> that I think is even more hilarious than the, the 2 or $3 it looks like people are going to get. I mean, this would be like letting a surgeon that botched your surgery get a redo. I mean, really, the people who exposed your data, you're going to now put them in charge of notifying you if there are any data breaches. And they actually have a conflict of interest in that because if they tell you, hey, uh, somebody's stolen your identity, then they're subject to uh, other possible costs. So there's a lot to know about the settlement. You can read it all. Uh, we've, we've linked to it. You can read all about it. But uh, it seems like a really, really terrible deal. I, I wonder, you know, how did, um, how did Facebook end up getting fined $5 billion, $5 billion with a B? I mean, uh, I'm all for Facebook paying fines. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm I'm as big a Facebook basher as the next guy. But how did Facebook get fined $5 billion? And then Equifax is able to settle exposing 145 million people's uh, credit files. I, I mean, I know there was uh, some privacy issues at Facebook, no doubt. But it wasn't something where Facebook had given out your social security number and things like that, but yet somehow Equifax got away with $31 million settlement compared to Facebook's $5 billion settlement. Uh, I don't know. Seems crazy to me. So check out that article over at ChristianMoney.com. Okay. Uh, let's talk about my trip. I just got back Friday. I got home like Friday night at midnight. So here's what happened. My daughter who lived in the Orlando, Florida area, decided to take a job in northern New Hampshire. And uh, she's a teacher, and she you know, transferred up there and her teaching credential and all of that. And she has, uh, for years and years and years, always loved the idea of living in the mountains, living near where you can ski, all of that. Well, that's exactly where she moved. It's like surrounded by ski resorts and mountains and, and there's a river that that flows off her back deck of her of her house beautiful place so i got drafted to drive the moving truck now what a lot of people would do if they were going 1500 miles they would probably sell most of their stuff and then maybe use one of those little pods that you can rent where they bring it to your driveway you fill it up and then they deliver it to your new house just the bare essentials right not my daughter. She she ended up uh, with a 26 or 27 foot truck. And this truck was, when you get in it, you have to go up two different steps to get in. It's like getting into an 18 wheeler. I'm not kidding you. And the clearance is almost 13 feet high is how high this truck is. I mean, this is literally like an 18 wheel truck, uh, like, like, you know, the big trucks you see. And so I didn't really realize that I was going to be driving a truck like that. I thought it would be like a a regular, like smaller, one-family type U-Haul truck, which I've driven those over the years, you know, when we've moved and uh, helped friends move and things like that. But this was just massive. I mean, this truck was so big that, that even just, you know, making a turn, um, you've got to go like really wide right and then come back and even getting it to pull up straight to like a gas pump to fill up the gas tank, which it took diesel gas. And we had to find only certain gas stations that had diesel. And, you know, that wasn't easy all the time, depending on where we were. 
and I'm driving this truck through the mountains. I mean, it was crazy. She had us on this route. She said it would save a lot of money on tolls for us to go westerly instead of going like right along 95 where you end up going through like New York City and all of that, which sounded smart to me until we started going through the mountains and the mountains started like in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania and went all the way to New Hampshire. And I had to go into like four lower gears on this truck to get over these different mountains. It was crazy. We broke it up over three days, three days. And since she was traveling with three dogs, so she was in her car with three dogs and, and, and a cat and actually one of the dogs ended up in my truck. So I'm riding with this dog in a cage next to me on the passenger seat. And then she has the other dogs and a cat. And she had trouble even getting like hotels for us because not every hotel is going to welcome you with your four animals, believe it or not. <laughs> so that was sort of the other part of the adventure was some of these really seedy, uh, low-end hotels we ended up having to stay in because of all the animals that she had. But, uh, man, I was exhausted. But I have to tell you, it was what the most interesting part of the whole thing was the libertarians in New Hampshire have some kind of an outreach where if they find out that someone is moving, what they will do is uh, offer to come and help you unload your moving truck. And so I show up, showed up with this big giant truck, I mean, 26-foot truck, 27-foot truck. I mean, it was totally filled, totally filled from floor to ceiling, from front to back. And these libertarian guys, there were four of them that showed up. And then also a, a female showed up. I believe it was one of the man's wives showed up. So there was five of them. And they literally unloaded this truck. I, I helped as much as I could. I was exhausted after driving 1,500 miles. But I mean, they were soaked in sweat. They worked like animals for two, three hours unloading this truck for free, just as an outreach. And I thought, man, what a neat thing to do. Um, I mean, they made lifelong friends with my daughter, um, and my daughter's husband didn't get to meet them because he uh, started a new job and didn't get home until late that night, until after the moving was done. But they made lifelong friends with my daughter. Uh, offering to unload that truck. And so I went out, I took these guys out, you know, afterwards uh, for dinner because I was so appreciative of all their help and uh, was interested to learn from all four of these libertarian guys that they were all 100% for Trump, which I get it that libertarians are a little bit outside, you know, the normal uh, political spectrum and that they could like Trump, but the idea that they all were for Trump uh, even more so than a libertarian candidate, I found it interesting. And uh, they spoke very highly of Trump and uh, said that, um, you know, th there was a very large uh, support for Trump in New Hampshire. And I just, I don't know why, I guess I just sort of pigeonhole people from the Northeast as liberals. And New Hampshire is really becoming more and more libertarian. They have something there called the Free State Project, where they're trying to recruit people to move to New Hampshire and get enough of a core of libertarians in New Hampshire to be able to actually take control of the uh, state and local governments there. They have really a, a truly free state. And, you know, of course, New Hampshire's motto is 
live free or die. So that makes sense that they would go to that state and it's smaller. So the ability to you know, have a political influence there is a lot easier than it would be in a larger state. But interesting to see uh, people open carrying firearms on their hip. Uh, New Hampshire is an open carry state. There's not even a permit required to have a firearm. You just, you, you're a living, breathing person over the age of, I believe, 18. You just go buy a gun. You strap it on your hip, just like the Old West. One of the guys that was helping us unload, he had a gun strapped to his hip. <laughs> and being an NRA instructor, I said to him, I said, hey, can I ask you, do you have a round chambered in that gun? Uh, because we're, you know, bumping around, unloading uh, all this stuff. He says, no, sir, I do not have a round chambered. Uh, and I said, okay, that makes me feel better, you know, with all the bumping around that we're doing. But it was interesting. A very beautiful area that she's moved to um, and how I had to get home because she had started her new job was I had to get a bus. It was a beautiful coach bus. It took me from the little town that she lives in to the Boston Logan Airport and it took about four hours on the bus, which I was really dreading, but it was a nice bus ride. It was like big leather seats that reclined. They had the internet on the bus, um, air conditioning. Uh, there was like a little thing you could plug into and listen to different uh, radio programs if you wanted to do that, uh, music. It, it was a really nice bus. I found it funny, though, that <laughs> my bus ticket cost about the same as my plane ticket. That's how crazy cheap plane flights have gotten. I flew on Spirit Airlines, um, which, I, you know, I've flown on Spirit many times. I, I have no complaints. It, it was perfectly fine. Um, I always pay a little bit extra to get an aisle seat because I like to be able to get up and walk around. And I did. I paid you know, seven or eight bucks to get an aisle seat. But my uh, cost of my flight was 50 bucks and my bus ticket was $42. So make sense of that. But uh, an interesting journey. I, I have to tell you, though, um, other than my black belt tests, which I've been through uh, three of them now for my first degree, my second degree, my third degree, other than those black belt tests in my entire life, I have never had a more exhausting experience than I have had uh, driving that truck, literally to where my hands hurt from this big steering wheel and my shoulders hurt from moving that big steering wheel. Um, it, I have a new respect for truck drivers. I have to tell you, I mean, if, if you have never driven a big truck like that, you have no idea how hard it is to change lanes, how hard it is to uh, even line up a truck to be able to get gas, how hard it is to make a turn. A lot of these turns that they have in these roads are set up for cars not for trucks. You can't turn a truck in these turning lanes they have set up. You have to like take two lanes to turn a truck. I have a brand new respect for truck drivers. So if you're a truck driver and you're a regular listener, my shout out to you, I, I have to tell you, it was uh, quite an eye-opening experience. And, and <laughs> all my friends are laughing because I said, I've never driven a big truck like that. I feel like I should have taken a weekend class or something before I took on that project of driving that truck. But in any case, one last thought on this before we move on. Um, you know, the infrastructure in this country, it is scary. It is scary. Some of the rusty old bridges I had to drive over 
and some of the road conditions that were just horrible that I drove on. I mean, through major cities, I wish we had done something with infrastructure. I know Trump had wanted to do something with infrastructure. I think it would have been good for the economy. Um, I, I thought uh, Obama did something with infrastructure, but it just doesn't look like it. And then when I got to the Boston Logan Airport, it was like under construction. It looked like a third world country airport. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I mean, some of these rusty bridges I went over, I have to tell you, I was saying a prayer <laughs> going over some of these bridges. So I hope at some point before there's a tragedy that some of these bridges are replaced and some of these roads are improved because man, oh man, uh, it was scary driving that big truck over uh, uh, some of this outdated infrastructure. Okay. If you haven't been following the news and this is strange, you know, living in Florida, it's strange how we have started this new pattern of getting the hurricanes late in the season. And it looks like once again, this year, it could be happening. There is a storm uh, they've named it. It's called Dorian. It is expected to become a hurricane in a matter of hours. And the cone of the hurricane pretty much is as large as the state of Florida. But it looks like it's going to have a good chance of a direct hit on Puerto Rico, which, man, oh, man, I don't know what those folks are going to do. Uh, they're still recuperating from the last hurricane. I mean, there are areas of the island, I guess, that don't even have power restored yet. Can you believe it? And then they're going to be hit by another hurricane. This could hit Florida. It could become serious. And apparently there's another tropical depression behind this storm. So it's like maybe one, maybe two are coming. So if you live in the Southeast, start watching carefully. I saw a news report this morning that uh, people in Puerto Rico were lined up before their Sam's Club opened, lined up like as far as you could see to try to get the supplies. And it happens very quickly. You know, you, you literally go from in Florida here. This is how it happens. Like one minute, there is ample supply of water and, and, and uh, you know, things that you need. You need water. You need flashlights. You need batteries. You need uh, food staples, food that you can eat if the power goes out. Uh, you need gasoline for your generator. One moment, all of that is there. And then, boom, it's gone. And and you don't want to wait until that tipping point. You don't want to be one of those people in line for the plywood and the gas and to try to find a generator and try to get food and water. you you got to take care of that soon. you got to get your cars filled up with gas. You know, top them off first thing this week if you're anywhere in that cone because gas is one of the first things to go. And you can't evacuate if you don't have a car full of gas. So that's one of the most important things to do. All right, one last thought here. Um, been following this really strange occurrence of all these earthquakes happening in the Midwest. And I read a news story over at Zero Hedge, and I forget exactly the title, but just paraphrasing, it was something like this. You know, is the is the big one, have we... Have we misdiagnosed where the big one is going to take place? You know, that is the next big earthquake. We, we're all assuming it's going to be a West Coast event, San Francisco, Los Angeles, that sort of thing. But there was 11, there was a, one county in Kansas had 11 earthquakes, uh, like within a 24-hour period. Uh, so weird things are happening with earthquakes. Of course, it's biblical, uh, in the end days, one of the things that is predicted is earthquakes. 
And um, we'll be talking more about that next week with our good friend, L.A. Marzulli. Okay, a lot tonight to get into. We have our special guest all lined up. She is holding. Her name is Allie Anderson. Her book is Unscrambling the Millennial Paradox. And we'll fire up the open. And we'll be back in one minute with our guest. Stay tuned. 